stand together, can we? Give the Lord Jesus a hand of praise today. If you're glad he was born, amen, amen. We're so glad today that Jesus was born, but let me ask you a question. What if he had not been born? If you haven't seen us in Wonderful Life, you're probably not saved. But we all know the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And, of course, uh, George Bailey played by Jimmy Stewart brilliantly, the best thing he ever did. And his lovely wife played by Donna Reed. And you know the story. George Bailey was a classic all-American guy, married a beautiful wife, had a passel of children, went into the banking business, had dreams, hope, as- hopes, aspirations, uh, a vision for a great future, and his business is going great, the family's going great, everything is going as it should and as he expected, when his Uncle Billy makes a big mistake, a blunder, and suddenly it looks like George Bailey is going to lose everything. He freaks out, understandably. He doesn't want to tell his wife. He's walking around carrying this burden, and he goes into deep depression. And as the movie goes on, we see him standing over an iron bridge. He's looking at a river. He's thinking suicidal thoughts. And he wishes out loud, I wish I'd never been born. Well, there's an angel named Clarence who hears that. I guarantee you there's no angel in heaven named Clarence. But we'll go with it, all right? There's an angel named Clarence that hears it. And Clarence is sent to give him his wish. And he gives him a vision, a dream. I don't know what it was exactly, but he goes through an extended time where he is seeing what his town, Bedford Falls, and his loved ones would have been like had he never been born. And it was terrible. It wasn't good. Donna, his, his wife, played by Donna Reed, is never marries. His children are never born. And Bedford Falls is taken over by an evil banker named Potter, Mr. Potter, who names it Pottersville. And the whole town goes down into the gutter. And the message of the movie is it mattered that George Bailey was born. It matters that you are born. But let me again ask, what if Jesus had not been born? Where would we be? What would it look like? What would our city look like, our world look like, our nation look like if Jesus had not been born? I'm going to take this angle today and just give us a little bit different approach to Christmas because I want us to leave here more appreciative than ever of the fact that 21 centuries ago, the baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem behind the hotel Bethlehem because there was no room for him in the inn. And God was born out back and placed into a feeding trough because that's the best they had for a cradle. But God invaded the human race via the birth of Jesus, and it was a rescue mission. And so today I'm going to read one verse, and the verse really gives me what I need for this message because the first five words are our question. Jesus said in John 15, 22, If I had not come and spoken to them, 
They would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for Jesus. We thank you today for Jesus. Lord, how thankful we are for Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at this and look at your word and consider your having never been born, that you'll help us, Lord, to appreciate what we have and who you gave us, Father, more than ever. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you're seated, I want you to preach a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God he was born. Amen. So what if Jesus had never been born, the perfect man, the God-man, the one that has given all of us the reason to be here today? What if he had not been born? What difference would it have made if, if a Bethlehem stable had not served as an emergency delivery room? What difference would it have made? And to bring that thought home and make it personal for all of us, I want us to consider all of us together here today, what even one day in our life would be like if Jesus had never been born? What would one day be like if Jesus had never been born? Now, I'm going to share it with you from my point of view because uh, let me just take you to a day last week in my life, what my life would have been like just one day if Jesus had never been born. Here's what happened with me. I rolled out of bed at a phone call, and the phone call was telling me that a person I had ministered to for years had gone home to be with the Lord, and would I do the funeral? And so, of course, I said yes. But now let's just inject right here. What if Jesus had never been born after that phone call? If Jesus had never been born, I would have not had any consolation to offer to the family that their loved one had gone to heaven because there would be no heaven because Jesus came to take us to heaven and Jesus has not been born. If Jesus had never been born, I could not have given hope about a mansion in glory that Jesus said he went to build because Jesus has never been born, so there's no mansion built because Jesus was not born. I could not have encouraged the family that the Holy Spirit was there to comfort them in their time of grief and bind up their broken heart because there would have been no Holy Spirit poured out because the Holy Spirit was poured out by Jesus and he has never been born. Going into my study to grab my Bible, I would have quickly realized that there was no Bible because the Bible is all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, and Jesus has not been born. So I would not have had a Bible, and if I had gone looking for devotional materials to give them faith and hope and encouragement, there wouldn't have been any of those either because there would have been no Christians to write them because there are no Christians because Jesus has never been born. I would have been an empty man speaking to empty people because Jesus is our comfort and hope and reason to live and reason to get up in the morning and reason to believe in heaven. And if there had been no Jesus, I would have been an empty man talking to empty people. Leaving my house, it would have struck me there wasn't a funeral home to meet the family in because the funeral home they mentioned to me was Mount Olivet, taken from the story of Jesus speaking on the Mount of Olives, and if Jesus never was, then he never taught on the Mount of Olives. Hence, there is no Mount Olivet funeral home to have a funeral in. 
If I had then decided, well, we can hold a service in their church home. As soon as I said that and thought that, I would have realized there is no church home because there is no church because Jesus gave us the church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And if Jesus was never been, had never been born, then there is no church for us to meet in and to hold a default funeral. I would have had nothing to give a hurting family but a dead, dried, ashes to ashes, dust to dust sermon delivered in some secular, cold morgue because Jesus had never been born. What a grim world it would be if Jesus had never been born. We're here celebrating the greatest event in the history of the world, and I want you to understand that if Jesus had never been born, we'd be in a totally different world, a totally different lifestyle, a totally different existence because Jesus being born changed the entire world. Well, then getting into my car, pulling out of the highway, I would have noticed that much of the familiar landscape of Fort Worth was gone. The reassuring, familiar sight of All Saints Hospital on the Fort Worth horizon, gone. Along with Harris Methodist, gone. Hughley Hospital, gone. All founded by Christians. But since Jesus was never born, there was no Christian to found them, so they don't exist. The fact is that if Jesus had never been born, most of America's great hospitals would not be in existence. St. Luke's, St. Mary's, St. Mark's, St. Jude's, all saints. You can't have an all saints if there are no saints. And you have no saints if there is no Jesus. And if I decided to pull into Walmart and take a break, if there were a Walmart, and in fact there wouldn't have been because Walmart was started by a Christian, but let's just play that there was, I would have encountered no Santa Claus ringing a bell on behalf of the Salvation Army because there is no Salvation Army, because there is no salvation, because Jesus was never born. In fact, if Jesus had never been born, the great charities of the world would not exist. The American Red Cross, Feed the Children, Samaritan's Purse, all kinds of charities that reach the homeless and the addicted and those that have nothing and have no hope, they wouldn't be there because Jesus had never been born. And there would be no Christmas if Jesus had not been born. No Christmas lights, no Christmas carols, no Christmas trees, no Christmas gifts, no Christmas cheer, no Christmas at all. It wouldn't exist because, of course, we're celebrating his birthday on Christmas, but if he wasn't born, there isn't one. Pulling back out on the highway, I would likely have been greeted by the sight of military police patrolling the city as representatives of a godless Marxist or communist nation for America as we know it would not exist if Jesus had not been born. Because you see, Columbus, who believed he was being led by Christ and guided by the Holy Spirit and by the will of God, would not have discovered America, for he felt that he was on a divine mission sent by Jesus. There would be no declaration of independence founded on the Christian principles of all men being created equal under God for there would have been no founding fathers who possessed faith in Christ to write the declaration. 
Oh, how much we owe Jesus Christ. The difference his birth made, his life made, his death made, his resurrection made. We're in a whole different world because of Jesus. But there's so much more than that. What about education? Many aren't aware that many of the colleges and great universities of America were founded by Christians, and they would not be here if Jesus had not been born. Princeton, Oxford, Harvard, and Yale were all founded by Christians, and the major topic of study was Bible study, and their purpose was to spread the gospel throughout the world. That's why they were founded. But if Jesus had not been born, there would be no Princeton, no Harvard, no Yale, no Oxford. They would not exist if Jesus had not come. But there's even more that we're indebted to because Jesus Christ was born. The abolition of slavery, listen to this, was spearheaded by Christians like William Wilberforce who felt that it was a sin against God to own a human being and it would not have happened had Jesus not been born and changed William Wilberforce's life. The Slavery Abolition Act of 1833 was passed because Wilberforce became convinced by reading Jesus' words that it was wrong. Come on. I want to tell you ladies something. You owe where you are in culture today way more for, due to Jesus than feminism. Feminism hasn't lifted you like Jesus did. Jesus elevated and dignified women more than any figure in all of history. In the ancient world where Jesus was born, women had the equivalent status of a donkey or a cow. They were slaves. They were less than. They had less value than. They were treated like dirt. They were not treated like men were treated. But then Jesus was born. And when Jesus was born, his teachings lifted women. The way that he treated them lifted and dignified women. He saved and delivered the woman caught in adultery. He lifted Mary Magdalene out of prostitution into a place of dignity. He gave the woman at the well the salvation she longed for. He made certain his own mother Mary was cared for after his death and resurrection. Jesus elevated women. Come on, ladies, give the Lord a hand of praise. What a world it would be if Jesus had not been born. And I got to tell you, if Jesus had never been born, the high regard for human life found amongst Bible-believing Christians would not be heard today in our abortion culture. Many don't know that it was a very dangerous thing to be conceived as a baby in the Roman world in Jesus' day because babies were regularly aborted and they were regularly abandoned. Roman women who gave birth to a baby they did not want would take that baby out to a field or out to the forest and lay it down in the wild and leave it to die that night, either by animals or by the elements. And that's the way unwanted children were treated. But then Jesus was born. He came and the message he brought was love and compassion for even the lowly leper. And his followers learned to cherish life as sacred. I want you to know today, God doesn't make any junk. You are sacred and, and, and valuable and, and, and to be dignified in Jesus' eyes. He made you a valuable human being. 
History tells us that the early church would rescue these children that had been laid out in the wild to die and raise them in the faith. And the reason they did it was because they learned to cherish life. And that's why we cherish life in the womb, because Jesus did. I got to think of Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant when Mary came to say hello to her. And, and Mary had already conceived by the Holy Ghost, but Elizabeth was six months further along. And when Mary said hello and greeted Elizabeth, the babe in Elizabeth's womb that was six months along leaped with joy. A baby responded to the touch of the Holy Spirit six months along in his mother's womb. And the Bible says when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And by default, so was that baby, John the Baptist. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his birth. And I want you to notice that six months along, that baby heard the voice of the Spirit, responded to the voice of the Spirit, and leapt with joy in his mother's womb, could respond to God. And that's why we believers know that life is sacred even in the womb, it's sacred. There's no difference. It is sacred. And it goes without saying, if Jesus had never been born, the countless millions upon millions and millions more of people whose lives have been transformed and changed by him would still be in their sins, still be in their chains, still be in their lostness, still be headed for hell. But thank God, Jesus Christ was born. He was born, and when he was born, hope came into the world. When he was born, our world has never been the same again. How many of you can attest that my life was radically changed when I looked up and said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord? Because you see, he was born so we could be born again. See, we all needed a heart change. We all needed a spiritual heart transplant because we were all in sin. We all broke God's laws. We all broke his commandments, and we were lost, and that's why Jesus came. See, when that baby was born, it was God invading the human race on a rescue mission. Jesus said, he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that believes in me shall never die. Our body may die, but our spirits go on. Jesus came to forgive us for our sins, wash us of unrighteousness, and to give us new, fresh life. See, I'm not talking about, and Christianity is not talking about, rehab. It's not rehabilitation. It's not you and I waking up and saying, you know, today by my willpower, I'm going to become a better person. I'm making up my mind. It's not a New Year's resolution. It is not a self-help faith. No. Christianity is, I can't help myself. Christianity is, I need help from somewhere else because I'm going down. Christianity says, I can't save myself. Christianity says, you can't save yourself, but I'm sending my son to save you because you can't do it on your own. You will never be what I need you to be, says God. You will never live up to, the, to my commandments and, and what I require regarding righteousness in your own life. And so you need my son. My son is going to live a sinless life. He's going to teach you how to live. He's going to feel your pain. He's going to listen to you. He's going to sit with you. He's going to walk with you, and he's going to talk with you. And the day he's going to come, he's going to do the extraordinary. He's going to allow the men that he created to beat him, bruise him, abuse him. And then they're going to nail him to a cross. And on that cross, 
I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to put it on Jesus on that cross. He's going to take your sin. He's going to be blamed for what you did. He's going to take the rap for you. He's going to, he's going to, I'm going to blame him. I'm going to put on him the judgment that would have been on you. And when he dies on that tree, your sins are with him. And if you place your faith in him after he died on that tree, I'm going to give you brand new life, a brand new heart. And that's why Jesus was born. The most extraordinary life that ever lived was Jesus. After his birth, he grew up in a tiny village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. No one knew who he was. He was divinity disguised. He was God with a mask. We didn't know who he was. Mary and Joseph knew. Elizabeth knew. It stopped there. It was a family secret. After 30 years, he went into the wilderness and fought the devil. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for three years, he was an itinerant preacher, walking from town to town to town, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never owned a home. He never went to college, and he never visited a big city. He was a small-town guy. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the very place that he was born. And when he was 33, the tide of public opinion turned against him. And they arrested him and took him through kangaroo court. He was railroaded. He was blamed for things he never did. His friends ran away, and one of them betrayed him by kissing him. After his mockery of a trial, they took him out. They abused him, whipped him, beat him, where the Bible says we can't tell who he is. He's beaten beyond recognition. (laughs) I still can't read that without it tearing me up. They took him and they laid him down and they crucified his hands and his feet to a cross. He was hung up there between two thieves who also mocked him through words of judgment and criticism at him until one of them was moved on by God and saw the light and got saved. He led people to righteousness even on the cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb by a rich man who felt sorry for him. And on the third day, the Bible says he got up. On the third day, he got up. And because Jesus got up, you're going to have a third day too. No matter what you're going through, your third day is coming. You may feel like you're buried in a tomb, like there's no more hope. But if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because of Jesus Christ, your third day is coming. Let me tell you, the third day is around the corner because God's gonna move supernaturally on your situation. And what looks dead and hopeless today, your third day is gonna change everything. 
because Jesus got up from the dead, he undertakes for us as well. And because on the third day he got up, we all, figuratively speaking, have a third day. When you don't think you can take another step, your third day comes around. And the Holy Spirit fills you with resurrection power and you get up on your feet again and you walk again and you run again and you sing again. I want to speak to some of you that feel you're in a tomb right now. Your third day is coming. Can I prophesy to you today? Your third day is coming. As somebody beautifully wrote, and I close, all the armies that ever marched All the navies that ever sailed, all the kings that ever reigned have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life of Jesus Christ. The angels told the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can we stand together today? And we're going to sing, oh, come, let us adore him. And I want us to lift our hands and just take a minute. Don't leave yet because I'm going to have a very important prayer. But let's just sing one stanza of this. Oh, come, let us adore him. Amen. Yes, Lord. Oh, come, let us adore. here but here's what I do know Jesus loves you and I don't say that formulaically I'm not saying that like some you know really old and rusty religious statement he really does and he was born on earth so you could be born again today at the first service several people gave their hearts to Christ And I want to talk straight to you now. Let me ask you a question. Have you been born again? Have you ever said, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. And I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, you haven't been born again. You can know about him. You can have been in church for years. But if you haven't done that, you haven't been born again. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, says Jesus. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, into his life, into his space, into his stuff, into him, and fellowship with him, and he with me. Have you done that? Is there room for him in your life? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You may never have another chance like this. You may never hear another message like this. This may be the moment God gave you to hear the message of the gospel and allow him into your heart. It may not happen again, 
You may walk out and live your life and not think much about it and die in your sins. You don't want to do that. Right now we can pray. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And the Lord that sent his son is going to come to live inside of you miraculously. So pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me, Jesus, my sins, breaking your law, breaking your commandments. I have no hope but you. I invite you into my heart to be my Savior and Lord. I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name. And with our heads bowed, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Don't, don't worry about people around you. Don't think about anybody around you. What matters is it's you and Jesus right here, right now. But if you pray that with me, would you just slip your hand up in the air real quick? Just put it right up. Just raise your hand. God bless you. I see you there. Put them up where we can see you. Don't be ashamed. Back there. All right, and the ushers are, there we go. All right, we're, we're going to bring you something. Keep your hand up. We're going to bring you something. And um, they need to be able to see you. We're going to hand you a bag that, that has some gifts in it. A little booklet that I wrote for you. There you go, back there and back there. And over here, it's a beautiful sight. And we're going to hand you this, this bag. There's a book in there called Let the Journey Begin. And I wrote that for you. And I want you to read it. It's going to tell you how to get your feet on the ground and walk in with Jesus. And it'll, it'll mean a lot to you. Now, something else in there, you're going to see a CD. And on that CD is me. And it's a mugshot. No, I'm telling you the truth. It's about three days before I got saved. And I've got the numbers on my chest. God help me. God have mercy on me. I was arrested. I was in the Richardson Police Department, uh, police station, and I was taken down a juvenile home. That picture was taken right before I was saved. It has my testimony. I want you to listen to it. All right? And now, this guy here, Robert, hold up your hand. Come down here and stand here where I can see you. Don't bring the bags. You're good. Just come stand. Now, this guy, Robert, would love to have you just sit down and fill something out so that we can have your name and we can pray for you. How many of you that raise your hand would like for people to be praying for you, right? So we're going to pray for you. So I want you to come down and tell this guy, I prayed with Jeff, and he's going to let you fill that out. We want to take care of you because we care about you, all right? All right, everybody, let's give the Lord a hand for touching these folks. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Now, real quickly, let me tell you, Tuesday night, everybody say Tuesday night. Six o'clock. Candlelight service. It's a very, very popular service we have every year. And last year, it was packed. And so I want you to know that Wednesday night, nobody will be here. You can come if you want to, but there's not going to be anybody here. 
Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. Not 7 o'clock. If you get here at 7 like normal, you're going to see everybody leaving. Get here at 6 and get here early to grab a seat because really it was packed last time. It's beautiful. We all hold up wax-free candles. It's fake, but it's real because we, well, we had to give up the real candles because all of our chairs were being waxed. So Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, we'd love to have you. It's a great way to start Christmas Eve. Then go be with your family. Amen? All right. Once again, those of you that prayed with me, bring that blue bag down and tell Robert, and he's going to pray with you and help you fill something out. Let's count to three, and guess what we're going to shout? I want you to shout it like it means something to you. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Christmas.